Welcome back to middle school. It's a zoo out there, so just be cool. Don't speak too loud, try to fit in. But if you don't, then you can be in. And welcome to the Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Cantor, and back with me, as always, is Sam Chung. Hello, Marissa. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. We had a question from one of our listeners. She wanted to know, uh, this is Beth Marie, she wanted to know if you have ever read the Lizzie McGuire official episode guide. I had the strongest sense of deja vu when I saw the image for that guide. And I absolutely had that at one point, but I don't have any like strong memories of reading it. However, that did send me into a spiral of all the Lizzie McGuire merch that I did have as a child. And it was a lot. And this extends beyond just books, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Way beyond the books. Well, so first of all, there was a series of like IP chapter books. And I, of course, had those. I think I found one the last time I, I was at my parents' house called Head Over Heels. And there was one for like when moms attack. There were just like chapter book, um, like novelizations of the episodes in some cases. Did you get any additional insight into the missing pieces that we have been looking for in some of these episodes? You know, I absolutely have at least one of those books still in my possession, and I want to go back and read it and find out. I can't remember if it's like if it's here in our apartment, if I brought it back with me, or if it's at my parents' house, but I'm going to dig it back up, and we're going to talk about it when I do. Okay, I mean, yeah, we can add that to the list of things that we want to talk about between seasons. We have a really, I think, interesting slate of programming coming together for the time between seasons and even the time, I think, once we finish the series. Because like we've mentioned before, we don't just want this to end when we finish the show because there's so much more content out there to consume. I do want to talk about beyond the novelizations. I had a Lizzie McGuire board game. Oh, yeah? Yes, and it was called What Would Lizzie Do? And I'm trying to remember how it worked. It was like part quiz. Like there would be questions from the show that you had to answer correctly. But then it was also part charades or like you would get these cards where you would just have to do silly things. You just had to like accumulate points. And whoever had the most points at the end won. So what I'm hearing you describe is something similar to High School Musical, The Choosical. You know what? Yes, (laughs) but for Lizzie McGuire. That's a perfect explanation. Yeah, are you impressed with... It is like High School Musical, The Choosical. I'm so impressed. You're impressed with my reference? Yes. For High School Musical, The Choosical? From High School Musical, The Musical, The Series? There was another game. It was called Flash Talk, and... Oh, I definitely had it, but I don't remember as clearly how it worked. It had like four buttons. And I think that the game, I think it was another kind of quiz game. And you just had to hit it the fastest. It looks like a bop it. 
It does look like a bop it. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like Family Feud style, like buzzing first. So it's a bop it specifically with Lizzie McGuire questions? I think so. But eventually you must have learned all the questions, right? Oh, here we go. Description. The game for girls who like to gab. Here come the categories. Do you know the answers? In Lizzie McGuire's Flash Talk game, you get to talk about fun stuff like cute boys and TV shows with your friends. Think of answers quick and shout it out. Then your friends get a shot at it. Listen closely and don't repeat any of the answers your friends gave. And if they think one of your answers is totally off the wall, they may challenge you. Majority rules. So if everyone thinks your answer is bogus, sorry, girlfriend. The first player to 10 points is the winner. What if you're a guy who likes the gift of gab? Uh, sorry. <laughs> she, she, you <laughs> just can't not, play. <laughs> this is not the game for you. No. <laughs> Interesting. And you had this. I definitely saying. had this too. I remember playing the What Would Lizzie Do game more though. So what I'm hearing you describe is that you obtained a Dwarf Lord level of fandom for the Lizzie McGuire franchise. Of course. I mean, I don't think I've ever been um, unclear about that. <laughs> I had clothing too that I would actually wear to school with Lizzie McGuire on it, the cartoon. I was really entrenched. You had a lot of Lizzie McGuire junk. I did. It's junk to you, but to us, it's stuff. We've gotten um, more engagement than usual this week. Our friend Ari from Australia reached out to us, said she was enjoying the podcast. And to Ari, we would say thank you for listening. And we love Australia. We've been very engaged in the Australian Bachelor. Yes, we have. Let's talk about <laughs> that for a second. Because of our friend Lockie Gilbert. <laughs> Yeah, we are big um, Channel 10 people over here. <laughs> and that's the truth. And it starts with Survivor. But it's become so much more than Survivor, I would say. Like, we've watched Australian Amazing Race. We did. I, for I keep forgetting that that was a thing that we watched. Which was arguably one of the better seasons of Amazing Race I've seen in quite some time. Yeah. That was so great. Yeah. And then, yeah, now we're on to the Bachelor crossover event with Lockie. We're so starved for content. I mean, this isn't starved for me. I would be watching this either way. I'm so starved for content. I'm watching Big Brother, and I never watch Big Brother. We don't have to talk about Big Brother. I'm in mourning right now. But yeah, I don't know. I'll, t I'll take any reality content right now because who even knows when we're going to get Survivor back? Yeah, we were even talking about maybe dabbling into Amazon's what is it, like World Eco Challenge Fiji? That one looks... <laughs> Hosted by Bear Grylls. <laughs> <laughs> that one looks truly terrifying. Yeah. Like lots of medevacs. Okay, first like of all... Like it looks like you would you you can and like we would legitimately die if we went on that show. First of all, when you read the, um, the series synopsis, it's like 66 teams embark on a quest. It's like, that's too many teams. How are you supposed to follow 66 teams on one quest? Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to dive into that show. Um, it looks a little, little scary. Yeah. Um, we're, still, we're still chugging along with the OC. We are. We are at the Julie Cooper, Nickel Cooper phase. <laughs> Is this how we're charting our um, our progress based on Julie Cooper, Nicole Cooper's current relationship? Yeah, I would say so. A lot has gone down since, oh, it was the big moment for us. What you say? <laughs> we did it. We got there. It was crazy. 
Yeah, I mean, I loved the um, the Dear Sister SNL sketch before I really understood where it was coming from. And now that I understand the source material, it just makes it that much more incredible. I know. Like, I feel like it's you... A we- I have a weird relationship with that sketch, actually, because, like, it's very violent and it does glorify, like, gun violence. But also, I feel like the humor comes in, like, the repetition so for those of you who are unfamiliar with that SNL sketch, it's uh, it starts off Bill Hader and Andy Samberg are in a hotel room. Uh, Bill Hader's writing a letter to his sister until Andy Samberg in- inexplicably shoots him and the song Hide and Seek by Imogen Heap starts to play. And then Bill Hader shoots Andy Samberg, at which point the song loops around again, much say. And then Shia LaBeouf walks in Bill Hader and Andy Samberg both shoot Shia LaBeouf. And then Bill Hader's sister, played by Kristen Wiig, walks in. Then Shia LaBeouf, Andy Samberg, and Bill Hader all shoot Kristen Wiig multiple times. And then two cops come in, and then they shoot each other. Very violent. It's super violent. And it's based on this scene in the OC, which we have now uh, also seen. I get it now. Mm, What to say? (laughs) Season three also has brought the introduction of Taylor Townsend and Creepy Charlotte. Yeah, so many new characters. I mean... Marissa goes to public school now. All the public school Gross. characters. <laughs> Gross. There's the Creepy Dean. Yeah, we're watching a lot of TV right now. I think that is the scoop on our television consumption outside of Lizzie McGuire. Yeah, I mean, long way of saying thank you to all of the engagement that we got this past week. We're very happy that people are still enjoying the podcast and still discovering the podcast, even though I know that podcast listenership overall seems to have taken a hit with quarantines. And I know that I personally listened to a lot of my podcast content while I was commuting, which I don't do anymore. Yeah. So we appreciate people finding the podcast and reaching out to us and letting us know about random Lizzie things that they've found that, you know, we can all share together. Yeah, we love it. Keep it coming. But yeah, we have some Lizzie content to get into today. We're talking about episode 128. We're almost done with season one. We are. And I, for one, am really excited to talk about this episode. It is episode, as you said, 128, Lizzie and Kate's Excellent Adventure. In this episode, Lizzie and Kate are assigned as partners on a social studies project. Matt convinces everyone he is psychic, but Joe sets out to find the truth. This episode aired on November 30th, 2001. Are you surprised that we didn't get a Thanksgiving episode? Yes and no. I mean, seeing the date of this episode, I guess there was certainly an opportunity for that. But I'm happy with what we got instead. First of all, I want to talk about the title of this episode and how much like wasted potential there was. Lizzie and Kate's excellent adventure. There was not an adventure and it was not excellent. They're knocking off Bill and Ted. Oh, is that a reference to something? Bill and Ted's excellent adventure is how Keanu Reeves got his start. Oh. They're rebooting it now. It's going to be Bill and Ted face the music like 40 years later, I guess 30 years later. Are Bill and Ted frenemies? No, they're just kind of stoner bros. I didn't realize that it was a reference to something else. It is a reference to something else, although, like, the correlation is a little bit off. I just think we could have done more there. But I am very excited to get into this episode. I have always said that I would love to 
be given the opportunity to write Lizzie McGuire IP from the perspective of Kate. So to get a Kate episode and to really get to dig into her character today, I'm very excited. I have a lot to say. Yeah, and we even got our first two Kate clips onto the soundboard. You obviously don't know what it's like to be popular. Obviously. Obviously. I mean, that is Lizzie's entire character. Really distilled into one <laughs> sentence. You obviously don't know what it's like. And we, I actually, then we have this joint Kate and uh, Lizzie moment. Hate my, my friends. friends. <laughs> this is what I've been saying the entire show. <laughs> they, that they all have terrible friends. They, their friends are bad. Ditch They're your terrible fr- to each other. Ditch your friends. But I think one clip that you especially appreciate and one that we can actually use perhaps in multiple contexts outside of just recapping the episode is this clip from Matt McGuire. News, 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 news. So whenever one of us has some news, I think we play that clip and then we can uh, elaborate on said news. I love that. But then he also had this one. You're going to have a really bad day. And I feel like that also. (laughs) Me when I wake up every morning (laughs) for the last six months. Yeah. That one hits a a little hard, actually. You're going to have a really bad day. Yeah, and I think those are... Oh, I have one more Kate one that I added. (laughs) Doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. I mean, there were some other good clips, but I didn't think that they were the kind of clips that belonged on the soundboard. But overall, you know, I thought this was an interesting episode. Yeah, I think that it's in the upper tier for me. I don't know that I would go that far, but, you know, I appreciate the recognition to the country of Latvia. I don't know. See, my opinion is that whenever Lizzie McGuire tries to, like, touch another culture, you typically want to run in the opposite direction. Yeah. What a stroke of luck, though, that Miranda got the country of Mexico. Yes, and they are making tamales because that is apparently the only food that is representative of Mexico. Yes. We have already gotten to, this is our second tamale reference. So, yeah, at least Miranda can provide a little bit of cultural authenticity to her presentation. But, want to just jump in? Yeah. Okay, so we have our opening scene where Lizzie is homesick. She missed a day of school. Now, they did absolutely nothing to make Lizzie look sick, like, at all. she just coughed a little bit. She, like, coughed, but she was, you know, glowing otherwise. (laughs) Like, fresh-faced, full makeup, dressed. She just looked like she was chilling. Well, you know, she's on the recovery trail. She was going to go into school the next day. So I guess it was just a 24-hour bug. But they could have, they could, I feel like they could have done a little bit more there in terms of believability. They, they spent all their money on sound effects. That's true. Um, but Gordo and Miranda bring over her homework, and it looks like she missed a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's like six or seven books. And they kind of run through what she missed that day. Mr. Pettis's lab coat caught on fire, but that was intentional as part of a lab safety lecture. And it sounds like it went a lot better than Dwight's fire safety measure took in 
the office. Well, that was on Dwight. He tried to present the information through a PowerPoint, and PowerPoint is boring. But yes, Mr. Pettis stopped, dropped, <laughs> experience and is the Experience is the best teacher, as Dwight says. Also, Mr. Digg subbed in English, but they just played 20 questions. I thought his substitute, like, I thought his substitute status in English was just a permanent thing. Like, there shouldn't be news. I thought he replaced the woman who left the country forever. Forever. No, but he can only be a substitute teacher. He can't cross that threshold into permanent teacher. I guess, but, like, the news that, like, he was the substitute in English seems a little bit... (laughs) Redundant. (laughs) Yeah, redundant. (laughs) Like, it seems like like we already knew that. You gotta remind the audience. Right. And then we get to social studies, and some real ominous music starts playing. So we know something bad is going to happen. Oh, yeah. And... But, I mean, in all fairness, nothing good really ever came out of social studies. That's true. In sixth grade... I had a friendship breakup over social studies. Similar to Leslie and Kate. Just a project gone wrong. (laughs) It really was. (laughs) Wow. I remember my seventh grade class schedule because I made a song about it. It went, math, science, ELA, Latin music, social studies. (laughs) Homework hall. (laughs) And that was my seventh grade schedule. (laughs) But I think only on Fridays. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was my seventh grade uh, Friday schedule. Math, science, ELA, Latin music, social studies. Homework hall. Homework hall. You had homework hall? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a rough time. You know, your song reminded me of in third grade, we had to do reports on different states. And I was lucky enough to be selected for our home state of Massachusetts. And I presented a song about how to spell Massachusetts. And I still, to this day, whenever I type out Massachusetts, have that song in my head. Would you like to share it with us? Sure. It was like, there, was, there were verses too. Yeah. It was like, there is a state that's really great. Its name is Massachusetts. And then the, the chorus was like, M-A-S-S-A-C-H-U-S-E-T-T-S, Massachusetts. <laughs> like you ran out of letters to really finish. So it's just like, that's that's good. Now that you mentioned that project, I remember that project. And I think we all had to do Massachusetts. You say, oh, like, really? you, you say like You say that you were exclusive, but like I think that all of our projects were about Massachusetts as residents of Massachusetts they wanted us to learn about the state of Massachusetts I think, <laughs> I think you're right because I remember also writing a song about Massachusetts but to this to the tune of um oh my darling Clementine except it would go Massachusetts Massachusetts I don't remember the lyrics though I just remember that part of it wait did we have to write songs or was that just our inclination no I think we had to write a song I remember this project and perform it yes everyone was okay with that (laughs) third graders have no shame whoa that was a really just a throwback yeah it had literally nothing to do with (laughs) Lizzie McGuire it circles back to social studies social studies yes um but the point is that nothing good happens in social studies and that includes Lizzie getting paired with Kate which is all Gordo and Miranda's fault yes we get this throughout (laughs) the episode Gordo and Miranda how dare you 
How dare you not be there for Lizzie? Yeah, one of you should have raised your hand and said, I would be Lizzie's partner. And then I don't care about what happens to the other person. Correct. <laughs> that, that, how dare. Fend for yourself, but I am the most important person here. That's Lizzie's MO. Yeah, Gordo and Miranda should have been fighting with each other about who was going to be Lizzie's partner. Lizzie, your logic is flawed. But Gordo and Miranda paired up and was also absent at school that day, but none other than Kate Saunders. Sanders or Saunders? They go back and forth. Today it's Saunders. Today it was Saunders. <laughs> I think it's I think it's Saunders more often than not. It's always been Saunders to me, but Gordo says Sanders. No, there's no consistency. I'd like to I'd like to believe that Gordo is wrong. Okay, fair enough. And in response to this news Lizzie screams into a pillow. The exact response you would expect out of someone with an illness. I mean, Gordo says that she's taking it better than expected. So, like, <laughs> what was Gordo expecting? Uh, yeah. I think you need to recycle your attitude, young lady. And there we, that's how we cut to the theme song. And then we're back. We're in the kitchen. Lizzie comes down for breakfast, and she says that she is feeling worse. To which Matt replies... What a coincidence. You're looking worse too. But I don't think that has anything to do with being sick. Zinger. <laughs> and then he proceeds to roast Lizzie and her, you know, techniques in regard to being sick. Because she has already made a mistake by coming downstairs. Matt says that the key is to stay in bed until they come and get you. And as we have already seen, Matt McGuire knows how to fake an illness. He does. Um, not well, but he does. Well enough that his mother then turns it into a real illness. That's true. Yes. But then speaking of Joe, she already knows all about the social studies project, of course, because she's a mom. She's Joe McGuire. Moms know everything. Turns out that she actually was on the phone with Mrs. Saunders Sanders last night. You know? Yeah. I don't know that she has a point about this, but uh, she says that this might be fun because Lizzie and Kate used to be friends. They used to have a lot in common. You know, part of me going back to Saunders Sanders, now I'm wishing it was Sanders and that like there was some sort of connection between Kate and Bernie. I mean, we, we usually watch the episode with the captions on just because sometimes things like this happen. <laughs> so sometimes the <laughs> captions can be helpful. Um, it was spelled Sanders in the captions today. Really? Yeah. I changed my mind. It's Kate Sanders. She is the granddaughter of Bernie. He calls her too much, and that is fan fiction that now exists. He calls her too much. Who is he? Joe Biden? Yes. <laughs> he calls them every. Calls her every day. <laughs> but yeah, this is the first time that we get Lizzie blaming Gordo and Miranda for not covering for her uh, at this breakfast conversation. And Sam remarks that if Lizzie has this much energy at home then she probably has enough energy to go to school. Yeah, you need to recycle your attitude. <laughs> you need to recycle your attitude, young lady. Lizzie says that the only thing that she and Kate have in common is their mutual hate for each other. <laughs> <laughs> and we all know what the opposite of hate is. Let me just point you to the first line of one of my favorite novels, The Hating Game by Sally Thorne. It reads, chapter one. I have a theory. Hating someone feels disturbingly similar to being in love with them. 
I've had a lot of time to compare love and hate, and these are my observations. Hating someone is disturbingly similar to being in love with them. Because, because the feelings are so strong. Correct. Yes. Okay. Pause on that. We will circle back. I have thoughts. This is how Stockholm Syndrome forms, correct? <laughs> to tie it back to another show we've been watching. <laughs> tie it back to La Casa de Papel. <laughs> you don't know it, but you have a syndrome. Oh, my God. Okay, so yeah, we'll circle back around to that because I know that you have a theory about that and you know I love a good theory, yes, a good conspiracy theory. But yeah, the basically the gist of this scene is... You're going to have a really bad day. <laughs> yeah, that, that basically sums it up. So then we cut to school and the start of Lizzie's really bad day. Gordo and Miranda are talking amongst themselves about their plans to work on their project and that they're making tamales after school. Lizzie comes out of the classroom and into the hallway and she is very yelly in this episode. She's not over it. Not over the news. She's upset about the project because she doesn't like the country she's been assigned. She says Latvia is the country, uh, uh, sorry, the food capital of jellied meat. She's upset about her partner, Kate, who at that moment we see for the first time in this episode. We do. Kate approaches Lizzie and she, you know, sets the tone for how this is going to work. She's kind of like, here's the deal. I spend as little time with you as necessary. We don't work in public and I'm so not making jellied meat. Yep. Lizzie proposes that after school, they go to her house and uh, Kate says, okay, I couldn't possibly run into anyone popular there. Sick burn. Uh, yeah, sick burn. Except Matt McGuire lives there, and Matt McGuire is the most popular McGuire. By far. As we've seen, Ethan Kraft loves the little guy. Yeah. And then we have a weird thing that happens. Lizzie just screams into her locker. <laughs> yeah, like I said, she's very angry. Lots of screaming. It's, I'm confused. Does she think the sound will get trapped in there and not escape? If you scream into your locker, it's still a scream. It's going to be very weird for anybody watching you. Yeah, it's almost worse. It is. So from there, we cut to Matt. I have to say that for ev- for all the episodes that we've gotten so far, this one like logically makes sense, I think. I don't think we have any weird... You're talking about the timeline? Yes. Matt is in school. This was one of my favorite Matt stories that we've gotten throughout the entire series, I think. You know, the idea that he's psychic is great, and then... Some of the lines that we get as a result of it were also great. Yeah, like you said, the timeline of it all made sense. We got to see him at school. I thought it was a good, well-rounded episode for Matt. Me too. So this scene starts with him telling his friend Oscar. Shout out to Oscar. It's been a minute. Yeah, the incredible Oscar is back. And he tells him that he had this really weird dream last night. Mrs. McGee was out sick and they didn't have to take a math test. And Oscar replies, Mrs. McGee was out sick and we didn't have to take a math test. And then Matt says, yeah, but that wasn't even the weirdest part. The weirdest part is that the substitute had these like big red shoes. And then the substitute did have big red shoes. And this is when we know. Matt is psychic. Matt can predict the future. We'll get back to that. But first, we have a scene with Lizzie and Miranda on the phone. Gordo is at Miranda's house. I think this is the first time it like occurs to me that Miranda has a house. Where do you think she lives? <laughs> no, I, I just mean like 
not that she doesn't have a house, but, and we see this three-way bedroom calls a lot, but to see two of them in the same place and a place that like rarely exists Mm -hmm. in the universe of the show. Interesting. I mean, it's the first time we saw it, but we can assume, right, that they spend a lot of time together as second and third bananas to Lizzie, similar to Ron and Hermione. You know, how often do you see them together? But like, clearly they're together enough to become a thing. Oh, here we go again. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you're going to float your conspiracies. I can float mine as well. But yeah, so Gordo's doing all the work while Miranda like jumps on the bed. And as we continue our tradition of doing as weird as possible things we can think of on phone calls, (laughs) like how about I jump on the bed while I talk to you on the phone? Yeah. And once again, Lizzie blames her friends for this situation. She wants to know that they're having no fun. <laughs> like they cannot be having it. Not only is it your fault, but you better not be having any fun. Lizzie McGuire, <laughs> be it better. But yeah, she said something along the lines of she wants them to go back in time and have one of them volunteer to be her partner. And what? Leave the other person to Kate? Like Lizzie's issue is so self centered and i get it like 12 year olds are self-centered i get it but this is nobody's fault it's just something that happened it was unlucky that kate also happened to be out from school that day your friends are not at fault and they do not need to apologize for this which as we will talk like they continue to do throughout the episode yeah miranda especially because she doesn't exist she just lives to feed (laughs) Lizzie's ego. Yeah, that makes this theory really weird. No, it doesn't. Gordo would love to do this project by himself. He doesn't need a partner. (laughs) That's true. Interesting. And you know what? Miranda does none of the work. She just jumps on the bed. Gordo is doing this by himself. Theory holds. I take that back. But anyways, so now we cut down to the kitchen. Joe is engaged in a conversation with Kate, telling her that it's been a while since we've seen you around. Kate reverts back to that same sort of like saccharine parent voice that she puts on with the Sanchez's. You know, at least she's consistent. Yeah. Once Lizzie shows up, Joe can't get out of there fast <laughs> she enough. She dips. <laughs> she like runs. <laughs> she runs out of that kitchen. She's like, see ya. Yeah. Is Joe McGuire scared of a 12 year old? I don't know if it's scared or if it's like just doesn't like her. <laughs> I don't really know. It was an odd reaction, wasn't it? Especially when Joe McGuire's stance is like, you guys have to put aside your differences. You used to be great friends. She presumably knew Kate very well as a child. Presumably, yeah. So it's like, it's a weird inconsistency, I would say. Yeah, like it was you a have little... To, you have to pick a lane. It's a little weird. What isn't about this show? It's politics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that clip always like stops me in my tracks for whatever reason. But yes, Kate and Lizzie are in scene and they have a glare off and immediately argue about who doesn't like the other more. Crazily, they both are mad at their friends right now. They have something in common because obviously we've established that Lizzie is mad at Gordo and Miranda, but similarly, Kate is upset with Claire because Claire picked Ethan over her. So much drama. You know, that really is a new development that Claire <laughs> is now involved in the love pentagon. 
Are there five? Are there five sides to this? Are you including Miranda? I am including Miranda. Can't include Miranda. She has no desires. She does. She's it's the one rhombus. who's always like, "You." <laughs> it's a sh- love rhombus. Yeah, Claire got a lot of screen time and more lines than usual in this episode, and none of them were good for her. They weren't. But this leads to the realization. Hate my friends. And there it is, a moment of connection. I wrote, wow, they just agreed on something. May I just say that the tension in this scene is palpable. I mean, this is just the beginning. So now we cut to the backyard where Matt is now giving psychic readings to his classmates. And just like a series of circumstances that confirm Matt's belief that he is psychic unfolds. First, he predicts that one kid will be purchasing an expensive gift. Then he tells the next person that she will be getting a haircut in the immediate future. And then he tells another kid that he will soon be going on a long trip. Long trip kid basically calls Matt out for the scammer that he is. <laughs> but this is no scam. But this is no scam. This is not a scam. Matt McGuire is a psychic. Because he, ter- as he turns and walks away, <laughs> he gets his long trip. He trips on the Travelocity roaming gnome. <laughs> <laughs> Go and smell the roses. <laughs> Amazing race tie-in. Boom. <laughs> All of our, it all comes full circle with us. You think we're saying something. <laughs> and you're like, where's, why are, why are they talking about the amazing race right now? You just have to wait for the punchline, <laughs> which may is. or may not come 45 minutes later. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> so he trips. He is chewing gum. The gum flies out of his mouth into the girl's hair, who will now need a haircut. And she bumps into the first kid whose backpack goes flying through <laughs> the glass door and into the Maguire's, like the glass like sliding door. So here's my takeaway. That kid has to be the strongest 10-year-old alive because, first of all, the backpack has to be heavy enough to break the window, but also he has to be strong enough to throw the backpack all the way across the backyard into that window. So I think the clear takeaway is that kid must be the strongest 10-year-old alive. I know. What was in his backpack? <laughs> uh, yeah. And so Sam McGuire, of course, comes out, not at work, and says that somebody will be paying for this window. In all fairness, this is clearly after school. After school? But is it after work? And Matt's like, yeah, see, I'm the real deal. Then we cut back to the kitchen with Lizzie and Kate and Lizzie suggests making gray peas and fried meat. And Kate says she doesn't even like green peas. And girl, same. Same. Here is where we see that, you know, after they both establish that they hate their friends and they're able to start collaborating on this project. Yeah, dare I say they're having fun. That That is until Joe comes into the kitchen and like acknowledges that, it looks like they're having fun. And this makes Kate so uncomfortable. She just like immediately dips out. Yeah, she has to go, well, bye. <laughs> yeah, cheerleading practice. Bye. And Joe's like, what was that? It yeah. looks, yeah. She says it looks like they were getting along like when they used to be friends. Yeah, and it goes back to 
well, Kate's a cheerleader and I'm not. I just have to say that, and I'm just going to go for it. Like the sapphic energy is just so glaring in this episode and it only continues to grow. I love a good conspiracy theory, and I think that this one actually has some legs, especially if we can skip forward to the last scene when their stare is just overlaid with the soft guitar music. (laughs) It's a crazy arc. It really is. And just, oh my God, though, like, it gay. (laughs) It's so gay. Do you think that this applies to Lizzie and Kate equally, or is this really just a Kate thing? Because obviously, you know, Lizzie has a well-documented history of um, crushing on Ethan Kraft. Now you can go out with Ethan Kraft. True. But that meaningful stare at the end was pretty mutual. So you think it's both? You think it's a two-way street? I mean, in my own fan fiction, it is. I think it's a little bit more Kate. On the page, probably. Because there is just such a strong discomfort to be in the same space as Lizzie and to even like acknowledge any emotion other than hatred and I think those are just I think that's just gay panic and she doesn't know what to do with her feelings you know I'm gonna skip forward a little bit but you know what really makes me think that it's Kate is because Lizzie recounts a story that one time Kate went to camp and then she came back and everything was different (laughs) so Lizzie didn't change it was, Kate changed. it was Kate who changed. Something happened to Kate. You're right. Kate went to camp and everything changed. <laughs> and everything everything changed. You are just different. And I just want everything to go back to normal. Maybe that's the book I want to write. Kate at summer camp. Kate goes to camp. The summer that everything changed. What kind of camp was it? She was really bad in the wilderness. It can't be like a very campy camp. Cheerleading camp. It has to camp. be like glamping. No, cheerleading camp. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good guess. Yeah. But yeah, there's some energy there, some, <laughs> there's some some tension. Some tension. Yeah, and then the next day at school, Gordo and Miranda ask, what up with that tension? No, they don't ask that. They just ask how it went. And Cartoon Lizzie says, you know what? It was kind of fun. Yeah, and even Lizzie admits to her friends that it wasn't terrible. And this is where we get Miranda apologizing for sticking Lizzie with Kate, saying, we should have looked out for you. Yeah, this makes no sense. Again, why does Miranda feel the need to stroke Lizzie's ego so much? Gordo, on the other hand, is his own man. He says, see, it was all in your head. And then after Miranda apologizes, Gordo is like, but I didn't want to work with Kate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and they start listing off reasons why she is probably the worst to work with. And Lizzie kind of has them dial it back. All right, so development. Gordo and Miranda are going to go to the weird cafe after school to work on their project. Would Lizzie like to come as well to get some time away from Kate? And Lizzie says, actually, Kate and I are going to the Digital Bean. What? They're going to the Weird Cafe also? Yes, it has DSL. (laughs) Apparently, it took Lizzie 45 minutes to download this Latvia site that turned out to be a fan club for an Eastern European supermodel. Yeah, before she clarified, there were a lot of things that site could have been... (laughs) (laughs) They went on the dark web, they found some Latvian site, (laughs) waited 45 minutes for it to download. Yes, they are going to the Digital Bean for the DSL. Yeah, Um, but before they do, we're going to skip home, and Matt is going to share his psychic powers with his parents. News, 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 news. 
Yeah, and we get opposite reactions from the Maguire parents. Sam really leans into Matt's, you know, psychic abilities. I mean, Sam is, a, he's an optimist, and he believes that people are telling the truth. Yes. Joe we- is a cynic, a skeptic, a non-believer. Yeah, Joe can't work with anything that she can't see, touch, or feel. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, Um, Joe is more sensing and less judging. (laughs) This is a Myers-Briggs reference. And she says, it's 4 o'clock. The news is on every channel. She's not buying it. She's not wrong, though. And then Matt goes into this sequence of predicting everything that Joe says or does next, to which Joe responds, Matt, you're not psychic. I'm predictable. <laughs> Sam asks him what the lottery numbers will be, which I feel like is a pretty classic response. And um, Matt's <laughs> prediction is one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> so going to go out on a limb here and say those will not be the lottery numbers. Yeah. Matt just has this belief. He knows it to be true. And he's like, say what you want. But it's a huge responsibility knowing what the future holds. I almost uh, clipped that one, but I felt like it, we, we could get it across just saying it. I don't know that we need to repeat it, but it was a great line nonetheless. Yeah. It's a huge responsibility. And Sam is like, yeah, that is a huge responsibility. To go back to Spider-Man, speaking of jokes that pay off <laughs> weeks later, with great power comes great responsibility. I know that. No, you don't. You never saw the movie. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> So now Joe is determined to prove to both of them that Matt is not psychic. He's very invested in this. So Joe's MO throughout the series is to not believe her son. And even when her son gives her, maybe not definitive proof, but like visual confirmation that what he's saying is the truth, a la he is sick, she's like, no, you're not. You're a liar. and I'm going to take you down. But he usually is a liar. (laughs) But her methods for takedown are very questionable. But anyways. Anyways. So now we're at the Digital Bean. And, you know, we have seen this location many times. Usually it is, how Sam describes, weird cafe. But today, it is like full computer lab. I mean, they have to get the DSL from somewhere. The internet used to be so inefficient. That that problem is so 2001. (laughs) It really is. Lizzie and Kate are trying to determine what meal to make for their project. Did we even did we even get into that that is the that is the crux of this project? I think we've sort of beaten around the bush about it because obviously Gordo and Miranda are making tamales. So yeah, the point is they need to make a apparently they need to make a poster board, we learn at the very end, but they also need to make a dish that is representative of that country. And At the beginning of this scene, Lizzie suggests something called salt, which is veal and jelly. Oh. I love that any anything that isn't like representative of like like Western culture is ew. The writers didn't have to intentionally depict Latvia as an epicenter of ew meals. That's true. That's a little rude. Especially when what they actually landed on looked pretty good. Yeah, they ended up deciding in this scene that they're going to make something called Alexander Tort. It is raspberry jam sandwiched by shortcake with a sugary lemon glaze. That sounds delicious. Alexander Tort. Look at how they came to a decision so efficiently. 
And the whole crux of this episode for me, and we see this now and then we see it at the end, is that what the show is trying to tell us is standing between Kate and Lizzie are these exterior forces in their friendships and social circles, right? Because when Lizzie and Kate are alone and it's just the two of them, they get along. They can have fun together. Yes, they reminisce. They reminisce. They, dare I say, have some chemistry. Yeah, they enjoy each other. They do. And you see it here and you see like the bubble burst when first Gordo and Miranda come by to say hi Yeah, but I found Gordo and Miranda to be a little bit antagonistic here. That's what I'm saying. It's these sort of outside forces instigating conflict. That's true. But then there's also the fact that they both like the same guy, which is a little bit, you know, it's not really uh, touched upon here, but it's been touched upon in past episodes. So when, you know, Lizzie's whole MO is... Now you can go out with Ethan Kraft. Kate's usually an obstacle to that. Okay, so new fan fiction... (laughs) Lizzie and Kate spend the whole series at odds over Ethan Craft, but really they should just leave Ethan Craft or forget about Ethan Craft and just be with each other. This is some crazy fan fiction. But yeah, so Gordon and Miranda come by first and they're like, wow, Lizzie, look at your new friend and are fairly antagonistic. And then Claire comes over and asks Kate how long she'll be slumming. And says that it's going great with Ethan. They're making Chinese. Sam, what does that mean? I don't know. It means they'll probably go to a Chinese restaurant and bring in some Chinese takeout. Especially Ethan. Can you imagine Ethan cooking? Because I can't. (laughs) They're just going to go to a restaurant and bring back some takeout. Yeah, Ethan Kraft could rival Sam McGuire in the kitchen. That's very possible. We talk about representation a lot on this show. And I thought that it was particularly of note to me to see that like Claire is a black girl and then her her posse in this moment is also other women of color and how little like racial representation we get on this show and then when we do they're either silent or bullies like where did these girls come from we have never seen them before um yeah I have no idea yeah their their big takeaway is to put down Kate for hanging out with Lizzie which again was neither of their choices Like, neither of them chose this. This is an assigned... It's like they've never had a group project before. I know. Um, And Claire says to call me when you climb back up the social ladder. It's so petty. Totally. And Lizzie says that she can't believe that those are Kate's friends. And that's where we get... You obviously don't know what it's like to be popular. The moment is over. Reality sets in. And Lizzie and Kate decide to print out their recipe, and just, like, get out of there before anyone else sees them. And then we cut back to the house. This is one of my favorite Matt lines of the episode. He says, I'm psychic. Why can't you just be supportive? (laughs) Godparents. Everything Matt does. He tries to start a band. They take him down. Now he's psychic. They don't love that either. It's like, what do they want for him? We don't need your root beer. (laughs) Matt doesn't care what anybody says. And you know what? I like that Sam is on Matt's side here because I think that it puts him and Joe in a really fun juxtaposition. So Matt's blindfolded and Joe tells Sam to hold up a certain amount of fingers and then for Matt to guess how many fingers Sam is holding up and Matt guesses correctly and then Joe wants Sam to lie 
to Matt and tell Matt that uh, his guess was incorrect and Sam won't do it. Sam is like, why would I, why would I lie? Clearly our child is psychic. Clearly. I mean, Sam is always looking to capitalize on his children's talents. <laughs> Remember when Lizzie wanted to be a model? Sam was so ready to jump on that. Remember when uh, Matt was starting a band? He was ready. He was like, my son is going to be in a band. Hmm. Now I will never have to work again. <laughs> I'll capitalize on this. <laughs> Even Lizzie in her rhythmic gymnastics way back in the day. I know. He was so ready. He yeah. was just like, he really wants his children to have a talent. And he just has two children who would just not give him what he wants. So are you saying that Sam McGuire would be the dad who, you know, runs like a kid influencer enterprise? He wants to be. <laughs> he just doesn't have very influential kids. <laughs> Yeah, and he's like a decade too early. Mm -hmm. Yes, the, the banter continues between Matt continuing to anticipate Joe's reactions and just it fuels the fire. Matt is not psychic. Joe has had a setback, but she is still, you know, on her mission to prove that his powers are nothing more than coincidence. And then plot twist, Lizzie and Kate are at the house. Yes, they are back in the McGuire kitchen working on their recipe now and oh my god this scene so I just wrote like big sapphic energy so much happens so much to unpack so it starts off with they each open the fridge to get a different ingredient and like as they are they open the fridge and there's a shot as if there's like a camera inside the fridge right and they're pulling out their ingredients and Kate opens the fridge and is like Oh, Lizzie. And then Lizzie opens the fridge and goes, oh, Kate. And from there, you know, they're, they're compiling the ingredients. Kate is in this, like, really shiny dress. Not really the best dress for baking. As she notes, she wonders why she wore something brand new to bake in. Lizzie's like, well, that's what you always did. Remember your ninth birthday? And Kate says... Yeah, I got a Baby Spice shirt. Baby Spice, of all the Spice girls. Like, okay, look at this imagery of, like, that is Kate's favorite Spice girl. You know what? She kind of looks like Lizzie. Yeah, Baby Spice does look like Lizzie. And she is Kate's favorite Spice girl. <laughs> so that is, like, Q1, right? So she got a Baby Spice shirt, and she had to put it on right away. But they were going to bake cookies. And, of course, they were, they were nine. They made a mess. And Kate said that her mom had to wash the shirt four times. Um, but it was her all-time favorite shirt. She said, who gave it to me? And then Lizzie says, I did. Yeah. I mean, how, how it all came full circle. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, what a great moment that they have right there. And they're just, you know, there's so much. That just indicates that they should be together. But then there's so much pulling them apart. But when they're in their own world, they just are connecting. You know, right on cue, Matt runs in right into Kate. Yelling, I'm psychic. Yeah, he's still blindfolded, by the way. And he forces Kate to drop all of the eggs. And then he says, I did not see that coming. I guess I lost the gift. <laughs> it's just gone. Slammed into Kate. And that brought Matt McGuire back to reality. I know. It was a it was a good run, but a short run, but a good run. I, I appreciated the closure there. We often don't get closure. 
yeah, he's just not psychic anymore, and that's just the end. You know, yeah. it's not kind of like you know, there's no wondering. Oh, where did David Carradine go? No, he's not psychic anymore. <laughs> and from there, so there are eggs now all over the floor, and they slip and fall on the egg, and the flower that they are holding gets all over them. And this is where I want to play the clip. So, how's your outfit? Any egg? Nope, egg free. <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, okay, I hate to break it to you, but you're no longer egg free. <laughs> you should see yourself, McGuire. <laughs> <laughs> now this is just like your ninth birthday. Yeah, but we have to have a sleepover and stay up all night talking. <laughs> Remember when your mom kept coming downstairs telling us to go to bed? Yeah, that was so much fun. <laughs> what did we talk about? Everything. School, junior high, boys. <sighs> and how we'd always be friends. What happened? I don't know. Uh, I know. She got popular. One summer you went off to camp, and when you came back, Everything was different. I guess it was. <laughs> and then we just, we, we weren't friends anymore. It's weird how that happens. Yeah, it is. It seems kind of dumb. Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> you know, I didn't see it the first time because I was taking copious notes, but there were some meaningful glances in that clip as well. There were some meaningful soft guitar. And meaningful soft guitar. <laughs> what happened? They drifted apart. Kate got popular. It happens. It's weird how that happens. In fact, dare I say, it seems kind of dumb. I think that there is some truth to that. I think that friendships are ever-changing in those years. Like, friend groups at that age are so dependent on who's in your class and who you're actually seeing. That's very true. Although, I will say, it seems like Kate and Lizzie are in each other's classes and see each other every day. Right, so something changed at camp. Something happened. I know. Again, what happened at camp? I also... We need to know. Would love to know exactly what they were saying about all-night conversations about boys as nine-year-olds. And junior high. And junior high. Yeah, they talked about everything. <laughs> I definitely was not thinking about looking ahead to junior high as a nine-year-old. Yeah, you were just like, how can I get through this Massachusetts song? That's true. That was my priority. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they have like a moment. I feel like I felt hopeful in this moment that like maybe this could be the start of like a rekindling of their friendship. Maybe this is like a sign of growth for both of them. Maybe they're like actually going to take away something positive from this experience that they've had together. But the next scene just brought it right back to normal. Growth on Lizzie McGuire? I know, how we dare I? We don't know that. How dare I? I got too <laughs> optimistic. I forgot what show I was watching. <laughs> yes, but first, Kate and Lizzie give a successful presentation. They present their Alexander Tort. And, you know, welcome people to try it. Kate takes one and has a bite and says it's not so bad. That's crazy to me. <laughs> like, is this the first time? Yeah, like, they just brought it to, <laughs> they brought it to school without first trying it themselves? How do you, 
Just like hoping for the best. Yeah, what? <laughs> like, oh, hey, we actually didn't do too bad at this. Well, like you should have known that already before the presentation. Do you think that the taste will factor into their grade? Or is it just like the act of having done it is just a good enough to pass? Probably the act. I feel like if I was a teacher, I would be petty enough to grade on quality though. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get sort of a parallel moment to the digital bean scene earlier except it's both friend groups sort of confronting Lizzie and Kate at the same time. Yeah, and, like, you're high-key hopeful in this moment that, like, Lizzie and Kate will both be like, stop it, you're all idiots. In fact, (laughs) you might expect them to say, hate my friends. But alas, it is not to be. No, they snap right back into as if the last 20 minutes did not happen, and that is... As much as I enjoy this episode, it felt like all for naught. Yeah. As you said, growth on Lizzie McGuire. (laughs) Doubt it. (laughs) That was perfect. They're like, nice working with you. Not, but that's not all. You're holding up a finger at me. I am. (laughs) We get a short moment with Gordo and Miranda apologizing again. Blah, blah, blah. The episode ends with this swell of guitar, um, what I like to note as, like, meaningful music. Indeed. And Lizzie is still in the classroom with Gordo and Miranda. Kate is out in the hallway now with her friends. And they both, like, look back at the other person. Yeah, they have a they have a meaningful glance at each other. And they, like, smile at each other. Yeah, it's like a wry smile. Are you sensing some energy? And that's how Lizzie McGuire gets gay. Maybe I should develop some interest. Could Kate be her interest? Oh, my God. If Lizzie McGuire was actually written to be a bisexual icon, what a world. You know what? It wouldn't have happened in 2001, but maybe it can happen now because Disney just did announce that uh, Owl House was going to have a bisexual lead character. There was going to be that development in that show, so maybe they're more open to it now if you wanted to get on that. Oh, my God. Now I'm just imagining a universe where, like, the reboot happens and it starts. And Disney, if you're out there, I'm here to write any and all <laughs> Lizzie McGuire IP. Yeah. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that that's pretty much the episode. Yeah. I don't know. Making Lizzie... A little bit more sapphic is a world that I personally want to live in. Just so much, so much potential. And I talk about this a lot. And, you know, I actually really think that the next show we should cover isn't a nostalgia show. I think we should continue the, like, Terry Minsky train. I think we should talk about Andy Mack. You've mentioned this before. I know, and I will keep mentioning it until I convince (laughs) you to do this. Because there are so many parallels, but, like... It really just shows to me how far the writing has come and the representation has come. When you take these two shows and look at them side by side, created by the same person in the same genre, doing similar things. Perhaps. I mean, as I've said, my main issue with that is just we would have to rebrand everything. So maybe it's like if we can find a way to synthesize it, maybe if you can you can pull a couple key episodes that we can look at rather than the entire show and we can keep it under this universe. Like do comparative analyses? Perhaps, yes. Okay. 
We can do that. I already know that I want to talk about um, Gordo's Bar Mitzvah versus Cyrus's Bar Mitzvah. Ah, uh, yes. And Gordo's Bar Mitzvah is coming up soon, I yeah, believe. Yeah, the season one finale. Okay. But yeah, that is episode 128, Lizzie and Kate's Excellent Adventure. Now, of course, we have to talk about some outfits. Yes, let's start with the outfit that Miranda is wearing at the beginning of the episode when they come to visit Lizzie uh, in her bedroom. Was this related to something that had happened at school that day? I forget. Or is this just a shirt that she has? I think it's just a shirt that she has. Interesting. Okay, well, let's dive into it. I think this is one of Miranda's better shirts. I think that it's clever. And it is a white t-shirt with sort of like ruffles, a ruffle sleeve cap. It has a printed like, looks like there's a sash across it, like a Miss Universe or like sort of pageant sash. Um, but the sash reads misunderstood. Yeah. And it looks like there's like an award that's also pinned to the shirt. It does. And then this is a new hat, right? I don't think we've seen this hat from her before. It is. That's definitely a hat that like eight or nine year old Marissa would have worn. Is it denim? I think so. A denim hat. Yeah. And like what a spark, what a shiny backpack she has. <laughs> this is unrelated <laughs> and there's no evidence of this, but do you think Gordo has one of those LL Bean backpacks with his initials? Probably. <laughs> or a messenger bag. No, I can't see Gordo with a messenger bag. It's definitely an L.L. Bean backpack. <laughs> Did you have an L.L. Bean backpack? You know what? I never got an initialed backpack. We usually just went to like Kohl's or Target to get my backpacks. So they were kind of like, you know, they're just a generic backpack. There's no brand identity associated with them. When I was the age of Lizzie, I was fully in my um, Hollister bag phase. Mm. Are you familiar a little bit. Would you like to just describe for our listeners what a Hollister bag is? Yeah, sure. So the Hollister bag was a fashion staple in the late 2000s in any middle school wardrobe. It was essentially just an oversized tote bag that Hollister sold and they released, you know, different colors and styles every season different patterns with, you know, that Hollister seagull. Anybody who was anybody carried all their stuff around in a Hollister tote bag. Did you say anybody who was anybody? Yeah. <laughs> you obviously don't know what it's like to be popular. Even if you weren't popular, though, even like, because I definitely was like, I, I was a Lizzie in the sense of like, I that's not something that I had reached, but it, it was something that I was striving toward. But that was just never going to happen for me. Probably because you had adhered to the Lizzie McGuire philosophy of existence. Which is? Uh, just be a good girl. Don't cause any waves. Make everything normal. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, these people that I want to be friends with are actually really mean. I don't want to be friends with them. I'm going to keep reading my books and, you know, pursuing the things that I was interested in that were not mainstream. Yeah, there you go. Like, I was definitely, like, aesthetically tried to be mainstream in my appearance. I definitely leaned really hard into the, you know, the Aeropostale, the Hollister. The brands. Um, the, those brands of that time. <laughs> I, like, vividly remember somebody being like, you've never heard of Abercrombie in, like, fifth grade? <laughs> it's weird the things that stick with you. Yeah. But, like, inside, I was just a total dork. It's like you tried to be an Abercrombie kid, but you were a Gap kid. That was just you. <laughs> um, okay, uh, next outfit that I've selected is a Miranda outfit again, but 
I'm wondering, is this a, a sweater that we've seen before, A, and B, do we think that she made this sweater herself? I feel like she has a hat that matches that sweater. It looks like a wool knitted sweater. It's not wool. It's just knitted. Okay, whatever. It's just like yarn. But yeah, it's like a rainbow pattern. All right, so Kate is here making her big entrance. And do we think that Kate shops at Hol- <laughs> shops at Hollister? Kate shops at like J Crew. Oh, J Crew, a 12-year-old shopping at J Crew. That's some fancy stuff. Or like Ann Taylor Loft, like <laughs> Ann Taylor Loft. Whoa. Okay. But like the basics. Because Kate just continues to look like a suburban mom. She's wearing here flats. She's wearing a beige skirt and a just like a white long sleeve shirt. Look at Lizzie's backpack. Yeah, Lizzie has a cra- we we've seen two crazy backpacks now in this episode. Yeah, and Lizzie is looking very um I would say like rocker chic in this episode. Mm, yes. Next, I want to talk about the shoes <laughs> that Matt psychically thought of that magically became a reality. Um, I love that he calls those clown shoes. <laughs> they're clearly not clown shoes. I feel like when when you think of clown shoes, you think more of like maybe Converse. That falls more into like a mm-hmm. kind of Converse thing. These are like sandals. Well, they're like closed-toed. They look like shoes your mom has. What's the point of these shoes? Is it like, I don't, I don't want people to see my feet, but I also want them to breathe? Like why? Like why would you cover most of your foot, but then leave small holes on the sides? Yeah, you're like I'm self conscious about feet, but also my feet get really sweaty. Just a peek. (laughs) Just a peek. Yeah, these are fun shoes. They are. I wouldn't choose them for myself, but they're fun shoes. So we're in the backyard, and Matt and Oscar are offering their psychic services. Oscar dressed in a top hat. Matt has gone full. Like Professor Quirrell. I don't even know. He's pulled out a turban, um, a shiny cape with stars on it. It's uh, it's quite a look here. Yeah, there are things I could say about this outfit, but I won't. I'm just going to move right past it. You said that Lizzie was looking a little bit punk rock. Miranda's like, I'll do you one better. Those pants. Those pants. Yeah, she's got some plaid pants. You know, the choker. Yeah, I'm realizing that like Miranda Sanchez... Her aesthetic is very similar to Miranda Cosgrove's in Drake and Josh, and also in School of Rock. Not iCarly, though. She leans a little more Lizzie and iCarly, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Kate's outfit that she decided to wear while baking, because you mentioned it a little bit before about how it's not really like a conducive outfit for that activity, but... It looks like she's going to like a fancy event. Is this more, is this also Ann Taylor Loft for you? Like, it looks like she's on her way to Gordo's Bar Mitzvah, and it's all accessorized. She has a gold cuff bracelet on, rings, a necklace. Like, girl, you're baking. Again, final dress from Kate, Ann Taylor Loft. Yeah, although it's pink, so she's she's left the beige realm. All right, that's all the outfits that I have today. Last but not least, it's time to talk about MVPs. Sam, who is your MVP in this episode? This is quite a tough call. Normally, I feel like I would give it to Matt McGuire, but I feel like the B story overall, like even though it's one of my favorite B stories, it wasn't a super strong B story. And obviously, I don't want to give it to Gordo and Miranda. I have a hard time giving it to Lizzie because she was so like, (laughs) she was kind of mean to Gordo and Miranda for no reason. The other obvious candidate is Kate, but she took like one step forward and then two steps back. So this is definitely a hard one for me. 
I'm going to give mine to Lizzie McGuire. You know, I haven't given Lizzie McGuire herself an MVP in a little bit. You know, like I mentioned, her whole attitude towards Gordon Miranda in this episode wasn't great. It wasn't my favorite, but I think I'm going to give it to her because I feel like she was kind of waiting for a social cue from Kate at the end about how they were going to interact with each other moving forward. And I feel like Lizzie, kind of after their conversation in the kitchen, would have been willing to like become friends again. And I feel like, dare I say, she wanted to become friends again with Kate after that conversation. But then at the end of the episode, it's Kate, really, who is like, you're such a dork. And then that kind of just like leads them back down the road they were on before. So that's kind of conjecture, because obviously we don't really know what Lizzie would have done, because Kate usually likes to speak first. But, you know, I feel like this was ultimately an episode about friendship, and Lizzie McGuire was at the the center you know, focal point of that. So it's a reluctant Lizzie McGuire for me. I hear you. And for me, my head says to give it to Lizzie for the reasons that you just mentioned, but my heart is giving it to Kate. Your heart is giving it to Kate. I just think she has, um, you know, big gay feelings and she doesn't know what to do with them yet. And she just (laughs) panicked. Again, this is my own, like, fan theory universe i feel like we're both really reaching in this episode because (laughs) there's no like front runner no No. one really ran away with this episode no usually it's for me at least it's pretty clear yeah me too i think that if kate's gonna get an mvp this is gonna be the episode that it's gonna be in and it's hers okay all right i think this might be kate's first mvp you know when we watch the lizzie mcguire movie this is going to make me look at the Lizzie McGuire movie in a whole new way. There is some justice for Kate in that movie. We, like, see the most developed version of her. I mean, took them long enough. <laughs> it's about time. Yeah. Cool. So that's a wrap on episode 128, Lizzie and Kate's Excellent Adventure. As always, you can follow us at Outfit Repeat Pod on Twitter for updates and or email us with questions at outfitrepeaterspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, reach out to us on any of those platforms. As always, this episode will be uploaded to our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash outfitrepeaters. It's also available on most podcast platforms. And I was really good about uploading the pictures that one weekend. I was really like caught up. And since then, I've fallen behind again. So I will, again, be better at uploading the photos of the outfits that we talked about today onto the website as well. We are very excited at this point in our podcast careers by any and all engagement. So we will shout you out. <laughs> as we as we did today. As we did today. And yeah, stay tuned for next week where we will talk about episode 129, Courtship of Miranda. From Gordo. No, it looks like Orlando Brown is back. Not Orlando Bloom. Not Orlando Bloom. <laughs> well, sadly. How fun. Sadly, he's like a grown man. That would be weird. I mean, <laughs> that'd be so weird. <laughs> <laughs>